Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. All right, so today we are going to be continuing to talk more about some common myths and misconceptions. Obviously, this is a big topic that we can kind of come up with a lot of stuff to talk about. So I think one big thing that we wanted to cover that we didn't get a chance to talk about in the previous episode was basically the myth that using food rewards automatically means that your horse is going to get really overweight and really fat. Um, So I think that that's kind of an important one to talk about because that can put a lot of people off of clicker training. It can make them think it's a bad idea when really it's a myth. So yeah, I don't know. You want to kind of start talking about that? I think the biggest thing with it is that people just assume that we're like literally shoveling treats into horses' mouths, like not even hay pellets, just actual treats like sugary garbage. (laughs) And that's not usually the case. Sometimes people will use higher value rewards, but it's not usually the bulk of the training treats. Usually we're just using Timothy or alfalfa pellets or a lot of people use Teff too. I don't have that in my area, so I don't, but I know that's common too. Yeah, I agree. When people hear treats, they think like, oh, it's going to be like molasses based, like really high sugar, unhealthy treats. And like most of the treats you see on the market are that. So that makes sense. But yeah, like you said, most of us are just using hay pellets. Um, And even people that do use higher value treats, typically their higher value treats are still like low sugar treats um so they're still not as bad as what you would be thinking from um you know like just any terrible high sugar treat i think most people that are into clicker training have some knowledge of like nutrition even not like super deep knowledge but just the understanding of like okay yeah we don't want to be shoveling like a crap ton of really sugary treats into the horse and yeah some people might not know that but i think it's important to I guess, point out that that's not a problem with clicker training. It's a problem with the fact that some people don't have the knowledge of what type of treats they should use. So I really think it's useful that a lot of clicker trainers do share a lot about what treats they are using, like usually hay pellets. And then that shows people like, oh yeah, hay pellets are a good option. And you can even use actual hay. I've been using recently chopped hay mixed with hay pellets. Um, And that seems to work out really well. It's a little dusty, but it's um, it's chopped really thin and fine. So it fits in the treat pouch and it works really well. Um, so I think there's a lot of really low sugar or more healthy options. And then also like if you have to, or you're really concerned, you could use like if your horse gets any type of grain or like a balancer that is in pellet form, you could use a portion of that Um, as your food reward and then just take that out of what you would otherwise be feeding them so you don't even really have to add a lot on there and then I think the last thing that I would say here is like we don't have to give like an extremely high quantity either even with a really high rate of reinforcement um, probably not going to be using like 10 pounds of hay pellets it's just going to be like you know one pound maybe if even that Um, so yeah I think just being aware of that. And if you really are worried about it, you can always measure out how much you're putting in your pouch and um, 
reduce their other hay ration if you really, really have to. But typically our horses should be having like access to forage anyway. So just giving them a little bit more forage shouldn't typically be a significant issue. Right. Like horses eat a lot of hay. So I don't feel like a half a pound to a pound of extra forage-based pellets is really going to do that much. And like you said, if it is a concern, you can just take a flake or two of hay away during feeding time and then have less concern about that. But also typically a training session shouldn't be more than like five to 10 minutes. I know for me, sometimes at work, I go longer because I only work with my horses like once or twice a week there. So especially when I'm working with other people and trying to show them things, I tend to go closer to like 20, 30 minutes. But typically if you're just a horse owner, you're not going to be going that long anyways. So your rate of reinforcement and how many pellets you use are going to be way different. Yeah, that's really true. And I think a common thing in the horse world um, is like, if your horse is fat, the immediate response is like, I need to reduce the food. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong because horses are one of those species where being overweight has been very clearly linked to medical and health issues. I would argue that in humans, that may not necessarily be the case, but for horses, they do have, you know, very serious negative health impacts of being overweight, like insulin resistance and laminitis, stuff like that. So um, yeah, we don't want to have them be overweight. So I understand the concern there, but going immediately to limiting food may not always be the best option since a lot of the time, the problem is that our horses aren't getting enough movement and they're not actually getting exercise to, I don't know, be able to burn off some of those calories and just, yeah, be healthy and exercise. So I think encouraging movement is really important. Um, when people are able to do something like set up a track system, I think that's a really cool idea to encourage movement and get the horses kind of moving around the track to different food sources. Um, increasing turnout. Uh, obviously, if you just have like a giant green lush pasture, you probably don't want to throw your um, like pushing horse out there to get laminitis. But um just giving them more opportunities to move. And even if you have to do a structured exercise routine, um, even something like that can be really, really helpful with increasing the movement. And then you may not need to decrease the food that much. And also if you do have to definitely go to things like, um, like hay nets and stuff like that before you would go to actually reducing the quantity that way you're uh, slowing them down and they may just eat it um, over a longer period. So, yeah, I think that that's just kind of something important to think about is that overweight doesn't necessarily mean you have to feed them less if they're already getting like a good balanced diet and they have like reasonable access to forage. You could just try increasing the movement instead and see if that helps a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people obviously board their horses so they don't have as much control over management, but I do think management is the bigger issue with fat horses than clicker training is because like I said before we're not using that much and the sessions are pretty short and then also stalling is way too common and that lack of turnout really takes away a lot of opportunities for movement which then increases their fat because they're not moving they're not exercising they're not burning off those calories so I think it's just way more of an issue with how we keep horses than the training itself. And I guess going off of fat horses and treats, 
we could also talk about biting horses and treats because that's a really common myth too. Yeah, that is a good one too. Um, I definitely see a lot of people saying like, oh, I can't use treats because my horse will get mouthy and bite me. Or even I had to stop using treats because my horse did get mouthy and bite me. And um, I think that that is a really common worry because horses are kind of, I would say naturally mouthy in the sense that like their mouth is how they explore the world. They don't have hands like we do. So their, their mouth and their lips, that's how they kind of explore things. Um, so it makes sense that they would just generally explore with their mouth. And if they've seen food come from somewhere, they know that they remember that and they're naturally foragers as well. And they use their lips to snuffle in the grass and to find food so they can do the same thing on you or in your pockets or whatever. So I think first and foremost, I would just emphasize that it's a natural behavior. And that doesn't mean we have to just like let it happen. But we also don't want to be like, oh, my gosh, evil, bad horse, like punish the horse because they're just doing their natural behavior. Um, but obviously, like it could be dangerous or it could just be something we don't like. So it's totally reasonable to not want that behavior to happen. Um, so I think really, really working on like a default neutral behavior where they're not getting in your space is really important, as well as making sure that you like click before you reach into your tree pouch so that they know the click is what's going to mean the treats coming. They're not focusing and more on like your pouch or on your pockets because they know that they're waiting for the click. They're not looking, you know, at your hands and trying to get into your pouch. So I think just building up that like reinforcement history of like you only get reinforced when you're not in my space and being mouthy with me, I think is is really, really important with that. Yeah, when there's no medical issues present, I feel like the mouthing and biting happens the most when we don't make default neutral the foundation. Because a lot of people want to skip being in protected contact. They want to skip using the pans. They want to just get to the fun stuff. But having a really solid default neutral is going to be way more beneficial in the long run for you and the horse because you're preventing them from developing those mouthing behaviors and also giving them more information about how you want them to act around food. And I feel like, like, like you said, it's a natural behavior for them to snuffle and forage, but also a lot of horses aren't trained with treats in the beginning. Like it doesn't happen until they find that one random clicker trainer that happens to buy them. So it's just not something that's really in their repertoire. So it's something we have to teach them how to do. Yeah, that's so true. And I think this can also go back. Oh, uh -oh I think I might get barks. No barks, please. <laughs> um, I think this could go back a little bit too to management because like if your horse is on restricted forage um, or restricted food, period, uh, when you go to them with food, that's going to be very high value to them. They're going to be like just really, really wanting those hay pellets or whatever. So I think you have to be careful to um, try to make sure that the horse has access to food before the session, like even just give them a flake of hay before the session. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. <laughs> or even like have an alternative food source available, I think can be helpful. Yeah. I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but the minis at my work have restricted forage because their movement's really limited. They don't have a big turnout space. So if they're not restricted, they're going to get fat and then have issues. So unfortunately, that's just how it's managed there. But 
because of that, when I go into a clicker training session with them, if they haven't eaten yet, they're really amped up and the over arousal levels are like unmanageable. <laughs> like we cannot get anything done. It's not productive. It's not fun for anyone. So I think having the alternative food source, like a hay net in your arena or feeding beforehand is a really good idea. Or, I mean, you could even do both. That's more ideal, honestly, but yeah, it's definitely more of a challenge with horses that do have restricted food. Yeah, exactly. I think those are some good tips. Um, I don't know. I don't feel like I don't really have much more on that myth, but I don't have any, I can't think of any others. Do you have another one that you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, uh, one that's been really relevant to my life and my training right now is the idea that we need to end on a good note. And I did make a post about it on my Instagram. I think by the time this episode comes out, it, it would have been like three or four weeks ago now, but it'll be easy to find because I've been really bad at posting. <laughs> so I did talk about that there too, but I think people get too stuck in the idea that the training has to end on a good note. Like you can't end when it's bad, but there's definitely been instances where I've pushed a horse too far and they were just way too overstimulated. And then I did just put some pellets in a pan and end the session because that's better for them. Yeah, that's a really important one to talk about. And I agree, like people definitely have this idea of like, oh, we have to get this really, really good last repetition of the behavior and then we'll finally stop. And I think like that is, it's great when you can end on that good note, like it is a good thing, but it's just not necessary and it's going to end up being more harmful if you're just not getting that good note that you want. Um and you're just continuing to try and it's just going downhill. Like it's better to just end um, whenever you kind of need to. I would say like, I, I do think it's a good idea to end while you're ahead. Like when you have a couple good like repetitions of a behavior and you're like, okay, the session's been going on for like four minutes now. Okay, let's stop. Um, so I do think like that is a good thing to do, but Definitely, if things are starting to go south, don't just keep trying and waiting for that important, like, good behavior. You just want to go ahead and, and stop so that you're not, I guess, I don't know, building up stress. And also, like, the more times that it's not going well, then that's going to kind of be be harmful as well. So just kind of continuing to try when it's not going right is kind of not helpful. Yeah, for sure. Like most of the horses I work with, I kind of know about how long they can go. I'm kind of figuring out where their limits are now. But there, like I said, have been situations where I push them too far. And it's way better to just either make it way easier, like maybe just focus on default neutral for the last couple rep repetitions and then end it there or even just end it and put them back out in turnout. Like it's way better to just stop than to keep going and potentially ruin the training loops that you've created and add more things into it that you don't want or just get more sloppy. It's way easier just to either take a step back or end it. Yeah, that's so true. And if it does really bother you, you can also take a break and go back to it and, you know, just see if you, if it's better, but obviously that could still happen where like, oh, it's not going to be better when you go back to it. But you know, like it's fine to just step away and then go back to it later. Um, and also I think, yeah, like you said, if you really, really want to end on a good note and you feel confident that the horse is going to be able to do that, you could just cue something really, really easy, like 
touch the target or like you said, default neutral, um, something that you know that they can do that's not challenging. And that is almost just like second nature to them because they've done it so many times. Yeah, and I know that myth comes from the traditional world because I definitely was taught that in writing lessons, but I think it's really easy to step over the line and just go into more of like drilling behaviors, which we don't want to do because that's not fun like for the person, but it's also really boring for the horse to just keep doing the same thing over and over. So I feel like it's kind of unfair to expect them to continue to be perfect when they're just doing the same thing over and over with no changes. It's just not enjoyable for anybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Click, Treat, Repeat. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at Click, Treat, Repeat Pod. You can find Jen at Genuine Equine and myself at Bonafide.bt. We upload new episodes every Monday and hope to see you then. Happy training!